Well, good morning. So good to see you all today. My name is Adrian. We welcome everyone who's watching online at carneyfree.com and everyone in the venue as well. Did you get all that from this morning's announcements? Okay, a few people see. Thank you. A few people with uh, some Spanish and the rest of us getting Spanish lessons. Me too. Uh, so grateful for our bilingual ministry and to have them part of the, this morning's worship services with us here today at 9.15, then especially at 11 o'clock, the bilingual ministry will be with us, and Pablo will be with me here momentarily on stage uh, in just a little bit. But before we get to this morning's message with uh, Stan Parker and Pablo Dominguez, uh, I just want to take a moment to celebrate here in the past couple of weeks while we started this uh, new message series titled Better Together, and it's part of an initiative that we have as a church, part of our overarching vision that we don't want anyone in this room to be lost in a crowd. We want everyone to be known in community. And so we've been talking about this idea of better together, and for the past couple Sundays, really been reinforcing the idea of choosing community and joining the mission here at Carney Free. And I'm delighted to tell you that over the past two Sundays, we've had 72 new people who were previously not in community at Carney Free commit to choosing community of this church. Isn't that great? 72 more people, yeah. And so our, our goal, our hope is that everyone will be able to find a life group of any kind that works for you at this stage of life, well, whatever it may be. We had another 30 people commit to join the mission in some way. And I just got to tell you, as your pastor here today, and you know that whenever a pastor says that, you're really supposed to listen, right? I just got to tell you, as your pastor here today, uh, those 30 people committed to join the mission, it's huge for our ministries right now because the simple fact is COVID decimated our volunteer base. You know, once people get out of the habit, it's hard to get back into the habit. And so after six months of going through this, we're having to rebuild all of our volunteer ministries. And so I just encourage you, if you're looking for a place to get involved, you're looking for a place to get to know other people, your church needs you. Your church needs you right now, and there's many different ways you can do that, be it as easy as greeting on Sunday mornings, 15 minutes. Um, helping out with children's ministry downstairs with a joy, attending one service, serving in another, helping out with tech ministries. There's a number of different ways you can go out to the information table and let us know if you'd like to be involved with one of those or something else. But choose community and join the mission. That's the surest way not to get lost in the crowd here at Carney Ephraim. Well, last week, I had the pleasure of uh, driving to Lincoln to interview Stan Parker, who's the CEO of MyBridge Radio. And um, Stan was going to come here. Well, I, I wanted him to come here. I asked him if he'd come here. But he has a health condition that prevents him from traveling. And so he wasn't able to travel, and he was gracious to allow me to come there and interview him. And we have a wonderful opportunity to hear from Stan today and also to hear from Pastor Pablo Dominguez as we talk in this series, Better Together, about how we literally are better together in a community and that our communities, with all of our differences in our communities, in our life groups, and in our church, uh, they're better than homogeneity. And you may say, well, what's homogeneity? Good question. Homogeneity is this natural human inclination that we all like to be with people just like us. We all like that. But community, by its very definition, is diverse. It includes many people. And so we have this opportunity today to listen and to learn from two wonderful Christian spokesmen as they lead us in this idea of being better together in diverse community. The simple fact is we live in a time here in our culture, and you all know this, that we're living in a 140 soundbite culture promoted by Twitter and many other things. 
And the result is we're really not listening to each other. We're really not learning from each other. And if we want to grow as people of God, one of the first things that we do is commit to love one another across our differences. And a big way that we commit to love one another is simply by listening. Listening to those who are different than us, listening to those who have different experiences than us, from different backgrounds than us, and Stan and Pablo are going to help us toward that end today. There's a wonderful verse in the Bible from the half-brother of Jesus by the name of James. James 1, 19 and 20 says this, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. It's like a pastor who says, I'm your pastor now. Take note of this. Let everyone be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger, because the anger of man does not produce the righteousness that God requires. How would you say we're doing with that in our culture right now? Not too well, right? What I want to suggest, and what I've been suggesting for a long time, really since I have got here five years ago, is that Christians are called to a third way which can be way, way better. What we have in our culture right now, as you know, are these competing, extreme, anti-Christian voices. We have anti-Christian voices in our culture right now of white supremacy, and they are growing. And we have anti-Christian voices in our society today of Antifa and critical race theory, and they are growing. And both of those are ugly, and they are opposed to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we say here in this room that we believe in a third way, which is the biblical way of friendship, of getting to know those who are different than us, realizing that we're actually 99.99% the same, realizing that we can actually engage in wonderful interracial friendships and learn from each other and even be the better for it. What I want to suggest here, though, this morning, through Stan and through Pablo and my own thoughts, is that we have a third way that God would invite us to, and you won't get it from CNN or Fox News. You won't. You will get it through the Bible. And all that we take in culturally always is to be filtered through the Bible. And here's the biblical narrative related to our cultural divisions today. Here's the biblical narrative that we want to soak our mind in related to race even today that we would provide a third way. There's a lot on here. I encourage you to write it down and perhaps meditate on it later. The biblical narrative on race is this. Every person is part of one human race. Again, we're 99.99% the same genetically. Every person is part of one human race. We are equally created to reflect the image of God. And yet, every person in every community has missed God's standards, haven't we? All of us. And it's really easy to look out at how other people are missing God's standards, but what God invites us is to look at how we have missed God's standards. Every person in every community has missed God's standards, and even so, in spite of that, Jesus died to redeem both Jews and Gentiles. That means he came for his own, Jews, and those who are not his own like us, and blacks, and Hispanics, and Asians, and and everyone. In fact, the Greek word for Gentile is ethnos. In the Bible, the Greek word for Gentile, for non-Jew, is ethnos, from which we get 
ethnicities, ethnic groups. And Jesus came to die for all of those. That is the gospel. And so the gospel compels us as a people of God to break down all walls but between cultures and races and that begins by listening to each other and we understand heaven will be gloriously diverse. Amen? Amen. We understand this. We believe this. We're excited about this. And this is the biblical narrative that you want to meditate on a regular basis, perhaps consider with your family and teach to your kids. Let's leave that up on the screen so people can see it. It's the biblical narrative you want to teach to your family and meditate on well with, with kids and life groups that we remind ourselves because the powers that be in our culture want to divide us. And we as Christians say, no, I'm going to think biblically according to what Jesus would want from me. So again, two verses that really guide our thinking today as we hear in just a moment from Stan Parker, uh, CEO of MyBridge Radio. Um, one, let every person be slow to speak, quick to listen, slow to anger. And then number two, remember this from Galatians chapter three. This is the Apostle Paul, and this is his heart's desire that there is neither Jew nor Gentile. There's neither slave nor free. There's neither rich nor poor. There's neither male nor female. We are all one before the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so we sit and we receive with a humble posture. Today we say, God, would you please help me to listen and learn. Hey, Carney Free Church, so excited for a special element in today's worship services. I get the pleasure today of being with Stan Parker, who is the team lead and CEO here at MyBridge Radio. And I'm with him in his offices in Lincoln, and great to be with you today, Stan. Yeah, great to be with you as well. Yeah. Um, I talked to Stan a couple months ago, asked him if he'd be willing to come down to Carney Free and do a conversation on stage but before the church on a Sunday morning, and um, wasn't able to do that, but because of some health complications, and yet he was gracious enough to have us here in his offices in Lincoln. And so we're, we're taping this video here during the week and showing it on Sunday morning, but really excited for what we have here today. Uh, I've gotten to know Stan in the past year, particularly, I think connected with you for the first time a couple of years ago, but over the past year especially got to know Stan as he was generous enough to profile Carney E. Free Church on the uh, MyBridge Radio monthly profile of local churches. Yeah. And so you guys did that graciously mm -hmm. for Carney E. Free back in February, and it was really fun working with you on that. But since then, I get to know you a little bit. In addition, you may know that in addition to being team lead for MyBridge, uh, Stan was an All-American offensive lineman, I believe, mm -hmm. <laughs> at University of Nebraska. It, it gets bigger every, every yeah, all, year. All world. <laughs> he was an all-world offensive lineman, first team, top player in the whole country <laughs> at University of Nebraska back, back in the 80s. And um, more important than all that, he's husband to Rachel yeah. and father to Josiah, Karis, and Shalom. There you go. And grandfather now too, right? That's okay, right. right on, right on. Titus and Ruby. Titus and Ruby, yeah. 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 Tell us a little bit about yourself, Stan. Uh, many people know you from the morning show at MyBridge Radio, right. but some people don't. Tell us a little bit about you. I grew up in Nebraska. My dad was in the military, so I grew up in Bellevue. Um, attended uh, 
UNL down here, as you said, graduated in business administration. Uh, met my wife here, and we got married 35 years ago. And uh, my first post that God called me to was with the Fellowship of Christian Athletes in Omaha. So I was an area rep for FCA there for about six and a half years. And then I actually served at, at an E-Free church here in Lincoln, the yeah. uh, first E-Free, for four years. I don't know if you knew that. I didn't know that. Yeah. No. So yeah, I was co-pastor of student ministries at okay. uh, E-Free church here in Lincoln okay. for about four years. And then I co-founded Mission Nebraska twenty-something uh, years ago. That then kind of morphed into MyBridge and MyBridge Radio and the things that we're doing now. Yeah. We love what you're doing at MyBridge. It's a gift to the whole state of Nebraska, and many of us listen in the morning. And um, yeah, again, thanks for being willing to sit down with me today. The reason that I wanted to converse with Stan for the church as a whole is probably two and a half, three months ago, after shortly after George Floyd was killed, um, Stan began a series of posts on Facebook, and I picked up on those posts. And it's now up to 10 posts that he's written um, called A Safe Place to Talk About Race with Grace. And, uh, you know, that's pastor material right there. The fact that you rhymed the same word three right, or four times. Right. Great job. Um, <clears throat> but A Safe Place to Talk About Race with Grace. And, church, I got to tell you, I've been studying these issues for 25 years. Um, and I'm not sure that I've ever spoken with a man who is as compassionate and gentle and consistently Christian and gracious in the ways he talks about issues of gospel and race and culture that are affecting our country today. I really mean that. And um, I've, been, I've been around this for a long time, and the way you talk about it is... Um, like water for parched souls. And so I, I just felt like, man, if Stan would be willing, our church needs to hear from him. And this is an opportunity for us to learn. So um, with that said, Stan, can you just share with our church a little bit, why did you choose to write these series of posts? Yeah, yeah I think there were kind of two big reasons. One was uh, I was, I, I started getting asked from my white friends uh, Stan, who, what do you think about this? Uh, and it, clearly it came out of, I was someone of color who they knew, they trusted, and they were trying to get their bearings and get some perspective on this whole thing. Yeah. So I was getting asked from a number of people. And uh, um, quite frankly, I didn't want to have that many conversations, <laughs> number one. But also, it, actually it was very emotional for me. Uh, and I actually I couldn't have those conversations uh, because I couldn't have them without breaking into tears. Uh, so, and if I talk too much more about that, I'll do that here. So, but the, um, so that was one. But then the other part of it was, as I was hearing some of the conversation out there from friends and others who were being influenced by, uh, some friends who were being influenced by some of the narrative out there, and I wanted to give some perspective that I knew that they would trust because they knew me uh, and they trusted me. And some of the things that they, they could discount from a stranger mm -hmm. that they could stereotype in some particular way, they couldn't stereotype me because they knew me. Right. They knew my heart, they knew my character, they knew my relationship with Jesus. And so I wanted to say of the things that were right, obviously there's some misinformation out there. There's some 
bad, twisted, dark perspective on both sides of the, the, the conversation. Uh, but there, there were some really right things I felt like the, that people I knew and loved needed to hear and needed to think about. So I wanted to give them a place that they could hear it and think about it. Yeah. Well, I think it stimulated that kind of conversation in part because you are trusted. People know your character. One of the things that I've noticed you've been willing to dive into on those uh, posts is a term that makes some people bristle. But it's an important term, though, that we understand, and it's this idea of white privilege. And you talk about that a couple times in those posts. Can, can you help us understand a predominantly Caucasian church in central Nebraska? What is meant by that term? And um, why is it important for us to understand what white privilege is? Mm -hmm. The fact that historically the black community has been oppressed, has been prejudiced, um, creates a disadvantage. Right. And for that disadvantage to be there creates an advantage on the other side. My, as I went back into it, my understanding is that that phrase came actually from a white lady who was processing the reality of what was going on in the black community and the perception of the white community of it. And, uh, and as I process it all, I really feel like the, the concept of white privilege is, is, a, is a compassionate perspective. Uh, because if you don't have that perspective and, and all you're doing is looking at the black community and saying, what's wrong with you guys? Yeah. Why are you not thriving? You have the same opportunity. Do they? Do they have the same opportunity? Have they historically had the same opportunity? Uh, so, I, so for me, white privilege is about the recognition that, that there has been a discrepancy there. Uh, it's not. It doesn't explain the whole story. That's not. What I think anyone would say, but uh, it is. It's a significant player in how um, the black community has not been able to thrive. Yeah, yeah, that's well said. Which is that's where I think the the place where I go to. Should you be uncomfortable with the fact that there is has been a white privilege? I would say yes. Mm -hmm. You may not need to be guilty. No, 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 no. That may not help. No. It's not going to help. No, no. But Absolutely to not. reckon with the feeling of discomfort right. and the reality that it positions us different, right. differently in society. Right. Yeah. Yes. And again, the, the issue isn't, isn't lessening the opportunity that you have, yeah. but it's recognizing the opportunity that someone didn't have yeah. and caring about it. Right. That's the part Com to me. I, I heard you say the word compassion. Yes. Caring about it, yeah. compassion, which is a fundamental Christian attribute. Right. That we seek compassion with one right. another to learn and understand different perspectives that's, and experiences. That's where, to me, to understand white privilege or the concept of white privilege healthily and hopefully, mm -hmm. it is it should bring it to a place of compassion, not yeah. guilt. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Another one of the topics that you've you've addressed is this idea of being colorblind. Or uh, God is colorblind. I don't see any color. Um, how does that strike you as a black man? I mean, it seems to me, and many of my closest friends who are African Americans, um, they say that uh, it's well-meaning. I, I understand the meaning behind it, but how is it somewhat insufficient, even if it's well-meaning? Mm -hmm. You know, I was thinking about this again uh, as I was pondering our our conversation today. Uh, I, again, I, I think the well-meaningness of it is 
the attempt is to say, I see you no different than me. We're, right. we're equal. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and that's good. That's a good thing. We're, we're and we are equal, but we're we're different. And it's okay to say we're different. Mm-hmm. I mean, we don't have to be the same to be equal as far as our worth. Mm-hmm. There's a level of of similarity with men and women. Yeah. Right. So it's a confusion in our culture. We feel like to say that women and men are equal, we have to say that they're the same. Like, well, not, not the same. We can honor their uniquenesses and their distinctives mm-hmm. and still say that they're equal value and equal worth yeah. and have the same capacities to impact and for good. You, know? you might think that you don't see color in, in, in the sense of it's, not a, it's a non-factor for you, yeah. but the reality of the fact is everyone doesn't see it that way. Right. So, so the fact that um, the world doesn't allow that us to function that way purely, mm-hmm. and allows for you to be the friend that you would want to be to me, mm-hmm. you got to recognize that. Right. Uh, that that my race brings with it some experiences that I've had, um, some very good experiences, some very negative negative experiences. Uh, my the race that I am puts me in positions today, depending on where we are and what we're talking about, that I, I would want you to be aware of and be sensitive to. Yeah. You know? yeah. In that way, the color and cultural differences could make us stronger to understand that mm-hmm. about one another. Mm-hmm. Um, to say colorblind, we ignore those differences yeah. and perhaps miss out on some of the beauty that yeah. could be added. And I tell you, again, the thing I think about so often is, I mean, God is this creative <laughs> God, and He He likes uniqueness. Yeah. It's like He, yeah. I always think that, you know, of all the trillions of and more of snowflakes, there's never been two snowflakes that were alike. Of all the thumbprints in the world, there's never been two, two, two people with the same yeah. snow, thumbprints. I think the diversity of expressions of worship in the churches are awesome. Yeah. As long as we don't let it <laughs> divide us in a negative sense, yeah. the fact that we express worship in unique ways is is super uh, consistent with the nature of God and, and His uniqueness. So the fact that He expressed His creativity in creative human beings mm-hmm. and various types of races mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and different cultures mm-hmm. is awesome. Yeah, yeah. We don't want to we don't want to homogenize that, right? Yeah. We want to honor and right. celebrate and yeah yeah well so um, as I talk with people about this subject uh, I get a sense that many people just want it to be put to rest yeah. do you sense that as well yeah yeah just, just let's just be done with this topic and um, I get that it's tense it's hard but even though we've made so much progress in the United States since the civil rights movement and particularly during the civil rights movements of the 1950s and 1960s. Um, it's been 50 years since then, and implicit racial biases can continue, and this can really still affect the church. Um, you shared a story in one of your posts about how it affected you when you applied for a job in Omaha. And I don't want to ask you too much that gets too sensitive, but I wonder, would you be willing to share with our church that story about when you applied for a position in Omaha and how your example of an interracial marriage potentially got in the way of getting the job? Yeah. Yeah, I was on staff with the Fellowship of Christian Athletes at the time. I had been just kind of walking with God, 
learning about the church and and his plan for the church and really felt like God was putting in my heart a desire to serve that way, to transition out of parachurch into a church ministry. I had a conversation with a guy who was a youth pastor of a large church, evangelical church in Omaha. He found out about my stirrings. He got excited, you know, because they didn't have a college ministry yet. Because that, at that point, Omaha, no one was reaching out to the college campuses. Right. And there's some very significant colleges campuses in, in Omaha. So he, his wheels got spinning and he had a real desire to, uh, to see me come on their staff there and start their first college ministry. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm thinking, man, this is, this is confirmation from mm-hmm. God. Like, this is what I've been praying about. This is what God and I have been talking about. And so he said, okay, next first step, let's have a conversation with the senior pastor. So I sat down with the senior pastor. We had a great conversation. He seemed pretty animated, pretty excited about the possibility. Um, I asked him kind of a sense of timing. And he said, well, I I see this happening sooner versus later. Uh, So it was a clear orientation towards, you know, let's move this thing along. And and, uh, so he said, you know, next thing up for us would be, I want, I want to have a kind of a uh, unofficial conversation with a small group of men, leaders in our church. I said, sure. So we met on a particular morning and, you know, we had, we had a good conversation, a lot of questions, you know, interacting, um, you know, got done with that conversation. And uh, the following week, sat down again to, with the senior pastor, had lunch with him, and we, as we sat down, he uh, began to kind of convey the interaction that we had had with the group before. And he said, you know, this question came up, and I'm, I'm curious how you would answer this question. Okay. He said, uh, you know, one of the guys said, you know what, so Stan's black, and he has a white wife, and... So if uh, we brought Stan on our staff, you know, would he start to attract black, other young black men that would then attend our church? And then would they want to start dating our white daughters? Hmm. And he wanted an answer to that, I guess. He wanted my perspective on it. And, and he, as, I, as I said in my post, and I, I, I was totally caught off guard uh, didn't know what to say. Uh, don't really remember what I said. It was highly awkward, obviously very offensive. Uh, but I'm not. I'm. I'm one of the kind of stews. And fortunately, actually, fortunate for me, I'm. I'm the guy that like five hours later goes, "Oh, I should have said this." <laughs> you know? So you too. Uh, yeah. So I'm, it's it's been helpful. <laughs> but uh, so. Uh, off the cuff again, I nowhere close to seeing that coming, which kind of goes back, actually, Adrian, too, when you talk about seeing color. Like, in some ways, that's the way I've lived. My parents did not raise me that way. My parents were raised in deep South. It was racist, and they didn't they didn't go there with us. Like, they didn't talk about the white man and all that stuff negatively. So I really oriented that way, and I'm I'm I came to know Christ, and uh, man, we're all this spiritual family, and so I'm not looking for that kind of a conversation. That yeah. that all those things blended together for this to be a, I thought was a safe place, and uh, so I was very unprepared for that for that question, and to this day I'm very shocked that he, he even said it, but. 
so we got through the we got through the lunch and uh, went our separate ways and literally from that point on I didn't hear another word from the from them I was all my before it wasn't all my initiative uh, but after that I did a couple more checks like hey we talked about moving this forward we're moving in a strong later. direction <laughs> And it completely shut down, and uh, and then eventually a few weeks later uh, came the hey we decided we're gonna not kind of pursue this position at this point we're gonna we decided to table it and do it another time. Yeah. Now it's interesting since that time actually after my post, I actually got uh, an email from an elder who was on that in that church at the time. Really? Yeah, and he said, uh, he's since gone, but he said, hey, I saw your post. Uh, I was in that, I was in one of those conversations, hmm. and you were accurate in what you were hmm. perceiving, but hmm. yeah, it was, it was, it was interesting. Well, thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Thank you so much. How has your um, understanding of the gospel helped you through these kinds of stories? Every way, <laughs> all kinds of ways. From from even from a race perspective, you know. I, so I grew up in um, suburbia. My parents grew up in backwoods, rural, horrible schools. No one's going anywhere. Uh, predominantly black, mm-hmm. um, small town, South Carolina. Yeah. My dad wanted something different for his kids. So he enlisted in the Air Force, was his way out, out of that level of poverty and poor education. He enlisted in the Air Force and, uh, and then worked. Worked part-time jobs on top of that ever since I could remember, which allowed him to then put us, and back then there wasn't uh, all the school, any level of school choice. You, wherever you lived is where you went. Yeah. So they put us in situations where we were in predominantly white communities, predominantly white schools and uh, but again it's quite evident that I was different than most of my classmates and I had parents of classmates who made it evident that I was different mm-hmm. in their conversations with their kids that obviously get back to me because kids are kids right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know then going into the black community and orienting that way there were some ways I was different mm-hmm. right because culturally I had been raised differently yeah. Some. yeah. So this race thing, quite frankly, for me was uh, was something I wrestled through a lot in my early years of like sense of identity. I wasn't raised in a Christian home. So back when I was 19 years old and I came to know Jesus in a tra- life transformational way, mm-hmm. yeah. for me, it absolutely cleared everything up because I knew who I was. At the core of my being, uh, I was... God's. I was a Christian. I was a Christ follower. That was going to be my central identity. That from there we kind of go and build from there. Yeah. But that was going to be my rock that I stood on, and brought great clarity and confidence and solidness to my sense of self. Yeah. That uh, you know, no matter what happened in that race area, it it was it didn't threaten that that at all. Hmm. That's worthy of coming this morning by itself. Identity over ethnicity and the sovereignty of God over our current suffering, whatever it might be, is so good. Thank you. 
Our theme, though, this morning at church is a community over homogeneity. And that's a big word to say we all kind of like to be with people who are just like us. Yeah. But, I mean, when I'm with you, there is a joy. Yeah. Like, there's a joy to learning from someone who has different experiences, different background, different culture, different ethnicity that I can learn from. Um, in, in your opinion, what are some ways that we can turn the narrative a little bit such that we would understand that our differences actually make us stronger together as a church? Yeah. Yeah, you know, you know, as I think about that question, Adrian, and maybe even a little different way, mm-hmm. in the sense of, you know, what is true biblical community? What is it based on, right? It's not based on our race. Yeah. It's not based on our personalities. Right. It isn't based on our social economic status, uh, the neighborhoods in which we live in. It's based on the reality of Christ in us that brings us together as brothers. And honestly, um, the more diverse we are, the only thing that can bring us together and bridge us together is the veracity of our relationships with with Jesus and the reality therein. You know what I'm Mm -hmm. saying? Like, to be like each other and to say that's the church is it the church or is that a club? <laughs> like, you know, right. that's just, well said. we all like each other and we all like to do the same things and we all like the same types of music. It's really easy and comfort for us to be together. But is that, it, does that show the reality of Jesus among us? Or is it like, wow, the only reason that we are connected, but man, we are, but we are connected. Man, I got a love for you and, and we're brothers and there's this kinship. And we're so different. Right, right. <laughs> we're, we think different in some ways than some of the, the you know, non-biblical ways. Yeah. Uh, where experiences are different. Where our music that we like is different. Right, right. I like the good kind. <laughs> 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 yeah. but, uh, but man, this, the, the reality of Jesus brings us together yeah. uh, in, a, in a way that is obvious. Because that's the only thing that we've got mm-hmm. uh, that's... We mentioned these posts that Stan made available, and, and we've made them available to you at Carnegie Free this morning. You can pick them up at the information table. Stan also mentioned reading, the power of reading and even watching videos on Right Now Media. And we've recommended a number of books and articles and Right Now Media videos that are also available at the information table right now. And just some talking points, some processing points related to some of what we've talked about today um, thank you so much uh, just thank you uh, this is not easy to talk about and uh, you're a man that I so deeply respect I hate to, hate to even ask this but um, uh, would you just pray for our church that we would be the most welcoming church to all and um, that we would prioritize kingdom of God. Every time I talk to you, I know what you prioritize is Jesus. But would you help? Would you pray that that, that would be the heartbeat of our church? Yeah. Thank you, brother. Father, just thank you for the, the reality of Jesus. And, and uh, thank you for the way that he transforms lives. Father, thank you for the way that he heals. 
Thank you for the way that he unites. God, thank you for uh, the way that he loves. And Father, you have called us out of the culture, God. You've called us out of the culture um, to, to be uh, a light, God, to be salt, to be Jesus with skin on, God. Absolutely what the world should be able to see when they look at the church is to see a very accurate representation of Jesus, without a doubt. It should be, we should be winsome, God. we should be loving, we should be inviting, we should be um, diverse, God. Um, and so I, I pray that for Carney Free, God. I pray that uh, the community of Kearney, God, the region, God, the state would, would see in Kearney an accurate reflection of Jesus. And God, I pray that as different people find their way there on a Sunday morning, um, maybe attending an event, God, I pray that it would not even just merely be neutral, God, but they would, they would experience, and specifically people of uh, a minority race and culture, God, they would walk into to Carnegie Free and man, they would just feel the love. They would feel the acceptance. Um, they would feel the, the oneness in Jesus um, that would be so winsome. It would, it would draw them to, to that church, ultimately, obviously, clearly drawing them unto you, God. Um, may your glory shine brightly uh, through Carney Free God. And I pray that if anything that uh, might be there within my brothers and sisters that would hinder that, God. Uh, things that, that maybe they, have, they really aren't even aware of at this point. Uh, God, I pray that you would bring that to light. God, uh, that they would grow as well in grace. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you again for joining us. We really, really appreciate it. And uh, grateful for you and for my bridge, and we'll be praying for your family. Thank you. Well, I, uh, I'm not sure what your takeaway is from that, but I think mine is the, the compassion that you hear from Stan as you hear his stories and the desire to learn from one another and grow together to be better together. If you enjoyed that interview, there's more online at carneyefree.com. We couldn't get it all in this morning, but there's a number of additional questions available at carneyfree.com. And those resources that we just noted are available, again, out of the information table, just a simple two-sided document of suggested resources. And the heart behind these kinds of conversations. And then that booklet that was mentioned that stands post over the past two and a half months, uh, much more from his heart and the post that he's written, A Safe Place to Talk About Race with Grace. Uh, up on stage with me right now is Pablo Dominguez. Do you know Pablo? Yeah, you can clap for this man. Thank you. Uh, Pablo's been pastor here for five years, leading our bilingual ministry, and he is a great, great brother of mine and a superb pastor. 
He's doing an exceptional job reaching. Yes, it's true. <laughs> He's doing a superb job reaching uh, a growing Hispanic community here in town. And I tell you, we are better as a staff and we're better as a church for Pastor Pablo and Miss Pilar and their leadership along with their kids. And um, if you don't yet know Pablo, I encourage you to get to know him. He's a dear, dear brother of mine and someone who sharpens me spiritually. Just a couple real quick questions for you, Pablo, as we're reflecting on the interview with Stan. Um, what are a couple of the ways the gospel of Jesus Christ, I asked this question to Stan as well, but what are a couple of the ways the gospel of Jesus Christ has helped you navigate some of the challenges that you and your family has faced since you came to the United States? Um, well, one important thing for me and for my family when coming here to the United States in 2006 is to remind her one thing. I, our, our identity in Christ, because most the Latinos or mostly Mexican coming here to United States to pursue the American dream. I come here to follow my uh, desire, my calling to be a pastor, to be, uh, to have a training for pastor, but Immigrants facing the same situation in working or coming in my case. Several moments facing different situations in my family. But I remember I am here for I don't know how many times, but my final, my final house, my final uh, citizenship is in heaven. When I remember how Christ loved me, I came to um, oh, uh, stronger to face in several things, several challenges. So for me, it's very important. And I, uh, I hear Stan say identity. When we had clear our identity in Christ, you came to face in different challenges. Mm. Well said. Yeah. Well said. Thank you, brother. Yes. Uh, Pablo, one of the things that I've learned in getting to know you and the bilingual ministry is there's great diversity within the bilingual ministry. Sometimes we say things like, well, here's a bunch of white people and then here's a bunch of Hispanic people, but it's not that way. Like everyone who's white is very, very diverse, right? Like we're all diverse, well, with each other, no matter if we have the same skin color or some shade. But in the bilingual ministry particularly, you have many different nations represented represented. How has the diversity in the bilingual ministry actually made you stronger spiritually? Yes, thank you to mention this diversity because sometimes in the bilingual ministry we had white people and if you combine white people and Latino people, it's a danger combination because white people is it's time to start. <laughs> and Latinos say it's time to talk. <laughs> but I can see the bilingual ministry in my first time when I talk or when I share in the, my first message for the people, I say, I can see bilingual ministry like a big pot tamales. Do you know tamales? Okay. Some people know, but this is better typical food in all over America Latin. We are tamales in different presentation, different color, uh, different taste. Uh, we are uh, spicy, salty, or sweet tamales. 
we are uh, uh, brown or white or red tamales. When I mention this thing or this metaphor, because when the people come in for the bilingual ministry, and you can see, oh, it's Venezuela, Colombia, Salvador, Guatemala, Mexico, United States. Wow, this is very interesting how God working. Because in the, it's a tension because our, uh, our difference, our perspective, but in the final, this tamal is cooking in the same pot. God cooking in the same pot because he bring together into learning and to practice the love the Jesus because he put his grace, his mercy in our life. Uh, I, I use this, uh, it's hard for me to, to say this word, pet. Put some, that's right? Teach me, please. My picture. Okay. <laughs> you can see it's different form, different color, but this picture, oh, I can see to put, I try to put for every person. Okay. Can you see this part? Okay. Um, Different form, but I remember me how God working in our lives to engage one another and to form this big picture. So the space is empty because God continue bring bring new people and working in our life. But grace and mercy by God form a special picture. Thank you, Carney Free, to open the heart to use and to share in the gospel with the uh, community Latin. We are, I am very comfortable to stay here to talk. Remember, Latino talking a lot of, but I had a short time today. But I, I would like to invite it, uh, Pastor Adrian, and to collocate this piece in this picture. Because this means you are part of the bilingual ministry. This is to remember better together. Thank you to be part in this ministry. Amen. Praise the Lord for this moment. Thank you. I'd like to hear from Pastor Pablo more. How about you? We need to hear from you more, brother. All right, let, let's pray together. Uh, I'm going to pray, and uh, Pablo, would you mind translating for me? I trade. <laughs> okay. I'll keep it short. Yeah. Okay. White style. <laughs> oh, Lord, we are so grateful for the unity that we have in this room. Señor, estamos agradecidos por la unidad que tenemos en el Evangelio de Cristo. We're so thankful for the unity we have in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Thank you for darnos esa bendición. Father, would you please forgive us? Señor, perdónanos por la forma que no hemos honrado. 
for any ways that we have not honored the diversity that you have created. No hemos honrado esta diversidad con la que tú nos has hecho. For any ways that we have not pursued unity and given thanks for the diversity you have brought. Perdónanos, Señor, por la forma en que hemos emitido juicios. Forgive us, O oh Lord, for the ways that perhaps we've even passed judgment. Hemos hecho conclusiones y hemos emitido nuestros pensamientos, nuestros juicios. Based on age. Basados en la edad. Or size. Basados en. Or appearance. En el pueblo, o la nación, o la apariencia. Or ethnicity. Por nuestra etnicidad también. Forgive us for being quick to speak. Perdónanos por ser prontos para hablar. And slow to listen to our brothers and sisters. Y lentos para escuchar a nuestros hermanos y hermanas. When you command us to be slow to speak. Cuando tú nos mandas a ser lentos para hablar. And quick to listen. Y prontos para escuchar. Help us, O oh Lord, to show hospitality. Ayúdanos, Señor, para ser hospitalarios. To love as you love. Para amar como tú amas. To show the unity of the church. Para mostrar la unidad de tu iglesia. From every tribe and language and nation. Para cada idioma, para cada lengua, para cada nación. For the glory of God and the good of this world. Hasta que todo el mundo sepa de ti para tu gloria. May it be all God's people say. Amen.